Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Welcome to Love the Words, broadcasting from Seacroft in Yorkshire at Chapel FM. And you just heard Ookla the Mock with Stop Talking About Comic Books or I'll Kill You. Which is a bit unfortunate because that's exactly what we're going to be doing for the next 45 minutes. Um, my name's Nigel and the first thing I'm going to do is get each of our illustrious panel of comic book aficionados plus one to uh, introduce themselves let us know what their connection is with the comic book medium but also tell us what was their gateway issue what was the comic that introduced them to the whole treasure chest so i'll start and oh i've just seen one of our panelists has arrived so um, while we're sorting that out, I will just quickly say that um, I'm a professional writer. I do use the comic book medium occasionally to tell short stories. I occasionally deliver a course on how to tell stories using sequential art. And my gateway title was what you call a TV tie-in these days. It was a publication called Pippin and it had comic strip versions of some of the children's TV shows that they showed on a lunchtime, like Andy Pandy and Wooden Tops and Pogles Wood. So, uh, next in our panel... Hello, my name's Jared. Uh, I own and run OK Comics, the comic book shop in Leeds City Centre, and I've been reading comics since since I could read, really. I used to go to the local newsagents. Uh, there was one in Crossgates, and there was one in the old Seacross Centre. Uh, my grandma would buy me 
like comics in there. Uh, I used to get Beano and Topper, Dandy, all the sort of traditional British ones, but I also started reading um, uh, sort of import comics like uh, Marvel stuff. So I was getting into Spider Man and Hulk around the same time that they, they were the live action TV shows um, on, um, you know, the, the sort of Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Hulk, uh, and that kind of thing. And just, just kind of stuck with it on and off, sort of through through my school years, but got really, really sort of into it when I hit my sort of later teens and ended up working in a, uh, a comic book shop. And after a few years of, of working there, it felt like time to sort of open open my own thing. Uh, it's a comic book shop that just focuses on comics and graphic novels and doesn't really sort of do any of the other stuff that you might associate with that kind of shop. Bobbleheads. None, none of that. No, there's no toys or action figures or posters or anything. Which it's focusing on the literature, really. Loving the word. Over to me. I'm Tony Macaluso. So in my day job, I'm the director at Chapel FM Art Center. But today I'm here because um, I sort of was around over about a seven, eight year period for the birth of a particular graphic novel that a friend of mine in Chicago created about his father's life story that I'm going to talk about called The Hunting Accident. So I didn't, I wasn't directly involved. Although I did some experiments that involved being locked in a pitch black room and experiencing what it's like to be blind with about eight other people as part of the research for the graphic novel. So I guess I was indirectly involved that way. And my connection, I'm a bit of a latecomer to graphic novels or comics. I didn't read a lot growing up as a kid or a teenager, but um, another Chicago uh, creator, this person Chris Ware, was somebody that I was introduced to and actually I did a theater project that involved using some of his ideas um, in an art museum in Chicago and lots of people doing overhead projectors and projecting a kind of a living um, comic book uh, and through the glass windows. So yeah, that's, those are my two connections. Um, hi, I'm Johan and I've been started re reading graphic novels and comics like Assassination Classroom and Undead Mar Zombie Marvel Zombies and so it's just been like really interesting to see how people have been uh, involving pictures like a lot of because most, most of those have pictures and it's a good way to help people just understand what's going on because it's a lot easier. I'm Peter. I work here at Chapel FM as director of words. And I was saying before we started, I don't know much about comics, but I have, I'm thinking about my experience as a child. And actually now it's all coming back. I read Batman uh, in about 1966, 67. Apparently, which is a very, very good year for, for Batman. But also Rupert the Bear, which I still think I've got in the, in the, uh, on the shelf, my kids. And it's really weird and surreal. And I, I, I love it. Uh, in fact, I still do. I read Viz when it first started, and Buster Gonad, and uh, and also also War War mags. Those kind of we used to call them kind of trash mags, and uh, but they weren't trashy at all. And I recently got a big annual, like a massive sort of not more than I was kind of a compilation of these War mags, which has got a great title of Arg. It's War. You might have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> now I think the thing is when people. Hear comics, they uh, they they think about uh, titles like the Beano, Superman, Spider Man, um, but um, I'm interested to know um, what title was it that made you realise that um, comic books should actually be taken seriously as a medium that you know they weren't just 
trash for kids to read and then throw away. Um, for me personally, I think it was probably uh, the action comic back in the late 1970s. And, and it was one particular strip, and I can't even remember what it's called now, but the heroes were German soldiers. It was a tank division, and it just blew me away that there was this comic where the enemy were the people I was supposed to be rooting for. And just that slight twist made me think, there's something about comics that, you know, it's not just childish uh, fantasy. Um, so, I'd, I'd, And, uh, of course, Action Comic was eventually um, discussed in Parliament. I mean, they were trying to get it banned, and they were using the excuse that it was violent... But personally, I think a lot of it was down to the fact that a lot of the characters were working-class kids um, fighting against authority. I think at the time, the, the perception was that comics were strictly for kids, whereas um, action really had like a bit more of a mature attitude. So when, I guess, kids would take these comics home and there'd be a little bit too much violence or um, you know, blood and gore, which is you know comes with like war war stories. If you watch any war film, you know they've got them in, and parents might have just reacted like, "Oh, this this isn't what I were expecting my child to be to be reading," and, and I think that prompted the sort of reaction against that sort of stuff. And yeah, they were they were, they were banned. I think it were banned for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um. Over to me. So, the, yeah, I guess the one that, that I've got here with me, too, is the one of the Chris Ware books, which is the smart Jimmy Corrigan, the smartest kid on earth. And actually, it's um, what really drew me to this one in particular and all of his stuff, which are which they're quite strange. If you haven't seen it, they have lots of text, but they they particularly explore cities and the history of the city. So in this case, it's Chicago, where I'm from, which I love. And it jumps around in time in really interesting ways and sort of zooms literally in and out of buildings and spaces and just gives a sense of, of all the stories that can happen in one particular building, for example, and, and jumping across decades and times. To He's great at making like buildings and cities a yeah. character in the story. Yeah. Because a lot of that's the, the Jimmy Corrigan story is flashing back yeah. to like the, the World's Fair um, and like this, you're setting the story in two different sort of locations and two different sort of distant generations of the same family. Um, it's, it's not what a lot of people might expect a comic to be about because it's not about Batman punching Joker. It's about something a little, little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. Although there is a superhero right at the very beginning. which is, Superman. Although, it, although it's an alcoholic... Uh, Superman. Yeah, uh, he's got a bit of a beer belly. Dressed, dressed yeah. up, who's having, I think, a relationship with the main character's mother. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, it's not a typical role for. A I don't think he's the real Superman. No, I think no. he's just a guy. He's in a just costume. a guy who's dressed yeah. up as one. Yeah, that but sounds reminiscent to um, what is it, Alice in Sunderland? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure oh, who the, yeah, yeah. the the writer is, but that's all about the history of Sunderland, mm -hmm. done in a, a, a graphic novel format. Yeah. Um, what about you, Johan? Um, one that really got me into it was Big Nate, about a boy who uh, apparently had the biggest head in the world, and it was just about his life and what happened, like, one time during when it was snowing, and then he had to go to a, the, their rival's school, and it was just, like, really fun, and they had a snow competition, and they won by using Achilles' heel to win. That's, that's amazing. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, none of those really are about um, 
superheroes. Again, when you think about comics, you think about superheroes, you think about the funnies like the Beano, which I'm certainly not going to diss because I absolutely loved the Beano as a child. Um, but um, So has anybody got any good examples of other uh, graphic novels or comics where there's absolutely no mention of war or zombies or superheroes. Yeah, when when uh, when I was sort of, I guess in my late teens, I'd been reading a lot of superhero stuff, um, but somebody introduced me to Love and Rockets, oh, which yeah, is, yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's a soap opera. It's just about people and their lives. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of the sort of aspects of the story focuses on like two friends in the sort of punk scene. I guess it was in the 80s. And in the nineties, it's still running now. That's and the Hernandez brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's it it's it's still running, and it's set in real time. So the the, the characters in in the comics now are in their fifties, um, and it's just been such a long running sort of drama focusing on these people, and they've just got relationship problems, and they just sometimes don't get on with each other, and they just. You know the the stories now because they're they're much older. It's about them sort of trying to recapture the youth that they think of fondly. It's, you know, it's it's just a normal story about normal people, in normal life, and it's just done in a really compelling way. And and the, but the, I mean, there were times in the Love and Rockets uh, Love and Rockets titles where they kind of veered into the superhero things, but it was it was more magical realism than you know just fantasy, um, which I suppose is. Makes sense because it's uh, South American um, writers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to. Yeah, can I can I can I lob one in here in terms of the the sort of the the seriousness of the the graphic novel or comic or, or whatever? Uh, and I'm I'm just I mean, when I read a novel, I like to visualise that I like to make the pictures in my own head, and so there's something about the word painting that gets done by really good writers that that. That, that enables me to do that. And so it's part of me that doesn't take uh, sort of comics seriously or graphic novels seriously because those pictures are made for me and don't have the same kind of... They don't stick in my memory as much. I don't know. Do, do, do people who read... Yeah, what, what would you say to that, Jared? Well, I think a lot of people who read comics also read novels. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no reason why you can't do both. But I think... I, I I think of comics as somewhere in like the middle ground between normal prose novels and cinema, um, and it, but the the best thing about reading comics, which is why comics are better than either of those, is because you've got the you've got the visuals there, um, and you like you know like like in a movie, but you're in more control. If you hold a comic in your hand, you are part of the process of the way that that story is presented to you. You can turn the pages at your own pace. Mm. You can linger on on some of the images a little bit longer. You can just, you know, you can t- take half an hour over each page because you're not at the whim of the director or the editor or the way you are in a movie. Um, and that's, that's it's a, it's a, reading a comic is a tactile thing. You've got to hold it to, to enjoy it. Mm. Um, and that is, it, it's a, a way of, being involved that you don't get from cinema um, and I think the fact that it's a combination of you know words and pictures um, just means that you've got such a diverse range of styles of artwork whereas in, in if you're imagining the, the, the words that are you you know in, in a novel the way that the words are presented to you then you will think of it in some way and you bring your own 
thoughts to it and it looks that way in your head because of who you are. But uh, I think because you've got a such really good artists on a lot of these comics um, that they could present it in a way that you might not have thought, um, that which might better reflect the way that the writer wanted to present. Does that make sense? Yeah, and having said that, and I, when I was saying what I just said, I thought, do I really mean that? Because actually the, the book that's over there that Tony had something to do with the hunting accident, I really have remembered some of those images really well because they are so quite, some of them quite disturbing. You know, the prison and the blindness and the, the really plays with the idea of the black space, the blindness in it, not being able to see. And that, it's really inventive, I think, and quite disturbing. So, yeah, as I was asking the question, I was sort of contradicting myself and That's agree. Right. But, yeah, as I was asking... <laughs> and, 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 of course, there are um, titles that combine prose and sequential art, if you want to call it that. Um, um, Watchmen springs to mind uh, by Alan Moore, which includes um, the diary pages and official reports and extracts from an, uh, an autobiography so it i think that the thing with comics or graphic novels is it just adds that added dimension and then of course when you get artists like i mean my favorite is steve ditko um it's just the, the images they're works of art in themselves really i'm also thinking that actually in a, in some prose novels you know there are i mean i'm thinking of tristram shandy written in the 18th century um, by, by what's his name Stern wasn't Lawrence it? Stern yeah Lawrence yeah. Stern uh, and there's a lovely idea there's a whole page that is completely black because it's you know the, the, I don't know if you remember but his uncle Toby died my uncle Toby died you turn the page and it's a completely black page <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm in mourning which is a, which I suppose is, mm -hmm. is using graphic art and that's back in like 1760 or something Ooh. what about yeah. you your hand? I mean, do you just read graphic novels or do you read books as well um I read a mix of both because I've been reading uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh man, you're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been reading some. I've read Vincent, the graphic novel, just about his life and how hard it was. And not just because people would think he would get paid a lot for his paintings, but he sometimes he just. He had. Because I remember. They didn't mention it in the book, but he had to cut off his own ear to, to write a letter to, uh, I, can't, I think it was his brother, for some money. Uh, yeah, so I just think uh, graphic novels and books just have the same impact anyways. I've read that. Vincent's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Jared, you mentioned about comics being tactile and having to hold them, and mm. obviously we're thinking there about the physical publication so um as the uh sort of like the advent of digital comics had much of an impact on it's it, it's had quite a positive effect on on my shop um and the business because it's it it's really easy to get digital comics to people and then it gets a bit more people interested and then they want to sort of you know do a little bit further reading um and that brings them through our door I've, you know, I was really worried uh, when it first started to sort of take off, but it's really helped us. I mean, for me personally, it's it's, it's just getting that balance right between, you know, quite often a, a digital copy might be a bit cheaper. I, I use hum, uh, something called Humble Bundle, where you can um, 
you could pay so much for a bundle of digital graphic novels. You pay a bit more, you get more. And then you pay more, you get more. But the money is divided between um, the creators of the products that you've bought, Humble Bundle, and there's usually a worthy cause that gets... And you can decide on a sliding scale who gets how much. Um, but what I'll do is I'll often use that as a kicking off, a starting off point. So I'll get this really nice cheap digital and then I'll suddenly think, this belongs on my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, right, well, I think we'll take a, a little bit of a break there and have a little bit of music. So um, this is a band called Skint and Demoralised and it's called Superheroes. at me I feel like a hologram this boy barely double figures we're meters from men dressed in helmets and shields fingers inches from triggers his knockoff Barcelona shirt is all that's left from home the bulldog in the ballot box is taking back control these orphans left inhuman are aching for a chance the ringing in his ears might be tinnitus or trauma His trainers a size too small Clutching paperwork to exercise his legal right to Britain Whose government responded by building bigger walls He travelled with his dad, but his dad's no longer with us Sweating at the break of dawn in the sunlight, he shivers His mother and his sister never made it out of Syria Syria so sinister, he could no longer return Nearly a thousand children in this nightmare called home 78% of them are living here alone We're standing in the school Marco is the teacher He's got a sofa now in Newcastle But he's still a weekly feature He said draw your favourite superhero With pencils and a pad This boy sat in silence And drew a picture of his dad Okay, so that was Skinton Demoralised with Superheroes and you're listening to Love the Words here at Chapel FM with me, Jared, Peter, Johan and Tony. And we've just sat here and thought, hang on, 
we're, we're all male. <laughs> <laughs> and in my defence, I did try to get a, a female member of the panel, but unfortunately they were unable to get here in the, hen, in the end. So um, I thought it would be interesting to just chat about that gender break because I can remember being younger and desperately wanting to read titles like Misty and never being brave enough to go into the shops and buy it because, you know, it was a comic for girls. And it wasn't until years later that I realised they were using the same writers and the same artists, and the only difference was the protagonist was female. So um, I don't know, what what kind of split is there in your customer base, Jared? Uh, not quite 50-50, but it's not far off. Um, it, yeah, it, it, I guess it is slightly more like male but yeah we get loads of girls and women in the shop of every age we get like young kids coming in and, and making use of our, our kids section um, we get a lot of uh, a lot of kids who are reluctant to read um, and their parents will come in or teachers will come in on their behalf and, and get loads of stuff um, but there's such a diverse range you know, now it's not, not just sort of superhero which is quite a macho you know masculine kind of thing but there's more stories about like you know science fiction and horror um and you know anything you could imagine really so we have like a really broad uh, non-fiction section uh like that focuses on you know science and history politics gender issues um and you know and the fact that we we've got uh two uh, girls working in the shop who were really super knowledgeable uh, has really sort of helped us broaden our range so that it, you know it, the, the range of stuff that we offer has more appeal and more sort of universal appeal. Is there a lot of girls that you, do you know girls at your school that read comics? Um, I don't think there are any at my school, but I remember that my mum said when she was younger she would go to a comic shop and she'd just read some like just in the shop and then. Like she wouldn't buy them, but she'd just read them there. <laughs> I know people like your mum. <laughs> Has she ever told you some of the comics that she used to read? Uh, no, because I don't even think she remembers. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Well, well, I think moving swiftly on so we don't upset Johan's mum. Um, so, as, I mean, has, has anybody got a... Um, I'm sure we've all got favourite writers, favourite artists and favourite titles. So um, I, I think it would be nice for each of the panel uh, who can to recommend for anybody out there um, that isn't fully um, aware of what's available, just, you know, what, what would be a, a good place to start? Um, I mean, for, for me, I think when it comes to writers... Uh, Nobody really beats Alan Moore, or except maybe Neil Gaiman. Um, I think I, I, for me, I think with Alan Moore, it is just the amount of tiny details that he puts into everything. So you can look at a panel for hours and still find new things that you didn't um, realize were there. And apparently, his scripts, well, his scripts are actually published because he puts so many details in for his artists to incorporate. 
Um, you got any favourite? Any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, I, my favourites change from week to week. Uh, I read quite a lot of comics and graphic novels. I think sometimes they're they're at their best when uh, you've either got one person writing and drawing, so they've got like a real sort of singular vision that comes through, or a really good sort of creative team that have worked well together. Um, the one of the most popular duos that um, that we stock is a, a, a team called Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Oh yeah, yeah. And they they kind of do mainly just crime dramas and different types of crime drama whether it be hard-boiled crime noir or some you know a bit more light um and they're they're really good really dependable um i think my favorite writer at the moment is a guy called jeff lemire he's um he's a canadian writer and he's got such a diverse style you can always depend on him to deliver a really good solid story and he sometimes he illustrates his own stuff sometimes he works with different artists um, and he does stories about growing up in, in Ontario, and he, he also does stories about uh, science fiction stuff or superhero stuff, um, but it, it is the stuff that he writes and draws himself that are about his own experiences that are, that are better, I think. I was just going to say, yeah, I was a question, really. I mean, because, I, I, again, I'm not very knowledgeable about this, but I'm thinking of um, animation and the tradition of, for, for instance, Eastern Europeans... Uh, in terms of particularly, the, you know, what's now the Czech Republic, you know, I'm trying to search my mind for the uh, fantastic and uh, animation artist from Czechoslovakia. Oh, Schwenkmeyer. Yeah, Schwenkmeyer. Yeah, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering whether there are traditions in other countries, in other nationalities, in other languages of of, of graphic novels, comics, because we've been mainly talking about, you know, you mentioned a Canadian, but a British, we've got the American. So yeah, I just, I just wondered about that. And uh, manga, for instance. Yeah, that's uh, the first yeah. one that came to, sprung to my mind is yeah, the Japanese yeah. Um, manga titles. Johan, do you read manga? Uh, yeah, I've been reading Assassination Classroom, and I think another one is a horror one. Uh, it's, I wouldn't recommend it for younger children because there is a bit of violence in it, but uh, yeah, it's just like a collection of scary stories that you could read at night. <laughs> right, scary stories. I was I was astonished that well, was was I astonished? I was surprised that you know that in France over the you know um, during the uh, this pandemic time recently, I think about a few months ago, Macron gave every person under, I think it was under 23, you know, 300 francs to go, euros, to, as we say now, <laughs> to go out and get some culture, basically, buy some culture. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of those people who spent the, uh, well, they spent, two-thirds of the people who get, you know, were offered it spent it, and two-thirds of those people spent it on manga. So they didn't go to the theatre, they didn't go to gigs, but they did buy manga. Yeah, books. well, they've been really supportive of, of reading generally in, in France. They, they uh, through the lockdowns and everything, they've, they've um, opened libraries later uh, for longer, so people can visit libraries, and they're uh, bringing in legislation to uh, restrict online selling, um, so that like big sort of international book retailers, who we might not mention. Um, they they're on a level playing field with like your local independent bookshop. Um, so yeah, France have been really good, really, really getting ahead of things. Oh, there. The French, yeah. Let me steal our fish. I was because we're in a radio station in a radio studio. I was going to give a shout out to to a graphic novel writer that I like, a woman named Jessica Abel, um, and she wrote a graphic novel. She did the writing, not the illustrations, um, about great 
radio makers of North America. And it's actually really interesting. She did interviews with, with podcast and radio producers and turned it into a graphic novel all about her, her comic book radio-making heroes turned into superheroes. Um, we have a copy in the Chapel FM library, in fact. So if you want to read a graphic novel about uh, people making radio shows, that exists too. It, it, it seems to me that there, there seems to be graphic novels or comics about practically every sus, uh, subject under the sun. Mm. I think one of the last titles I bought from OK Comics was an adaptation of The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then a, a comic book or a graphic novel about the history of comic books. Mm. Mm. Um, one of our best-selling books is a, a graphic novel about the history of beer. Um, uh, and I thought about getting that for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and we, all, we also, uh, one of our best, is a local author, um, Daryl Cunningham, who is, has done a series of sort of non-fiction books, but the, the best-selling one that, for us anyway is one called Super Crash, which is about like the, the events over the last hundred years that led to the financial crisis. Wow. Um, and it's, it's really cleverly presented. It's a really complicated subject, but presented in such a, a clever and easy-to-digest way, which maybe other medium couldn't achieve. I suppose in that context, Horrible History is a fantastic example of, uh, you know, Getting kids into history. Mm. I, have, I have a problem with the horrible histories, not with not with the the, the comics. It, it it's the writer because he, he he had this grudge against libraries. He just didn't think he was making enough money from the copies of his books that were being because people were from, reading them for free. Yeah. Oh, so um, wow. yeah, I'm afraid I. I boycotted Horrible Histories, which my kid hated, one of my kids hated, because he loved them. I think, it, you know, however much one may quibble with it on all sorts of grounds, you know, it, it did seem to get a lot of young people into reading history and being interested in history. Toby over there on the desk is nodding wisely. Yeah, it got him into history. But I just, can I, Nigel, do you mind if I ask Johan a question about manga? Because just we're going back. I mean, what makes manga distinctive? Why... Is it what is it about manga that's different from say other comics and? Um, because in the assassination classroom, that because from what I read is it they're like from what they write they the audience they like they just write what they want the, to write because sometimes they'll just put a, a bit of a swear word but but mm. they won't really care because it'll just add to like the comedy a bit and also that and the way they actually illustrate their characters in it is a lot more interesting because it's not like you'd usually seen a book made in Britain or America. Is it, is it more, are they more violent? Are they funnier? Are they about different kinds of characters, different stories? Uh, just, they're all a bit different. Uh, mm. So, I think, okay. uh, I think yeah. the thing that always mm. well, that threw me about manga was the way that you actually have to read the the, the book itself, which is from the, the the back to the front, which I suppose makes sense because that's how the Japanese write. Mm. Sometimes they flip the artwork and you you know they present it in an ordinary sort of Western style that we're familiar with, but then you'll see. Uh, I'm thinking of an example now. Oh, yeah, when they did um, the manga adaptions of Star Wars uh, and they flipped the artwork, Luke Skywalker gets the wrong hand chopped off and the, the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon was on the wrong side. 
Um, wow. So you've got you've got to stick with the the original. You can translate the words, but if you start switching the artwork around, it's, um, it, it affects the way the story flows. Is there any such thing as a comic book or graphic novel audio book? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, they've done. Well, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking. Occasionally, I'll go onto YouTube, and quite often, fans have created animated versions of the actual panels. Right. You know, presumably using you know high tech programs and things like that, um, with voices, uh, you know, with the actors voicing the characters speaking the dialogue, so you can actually yeah you can watch a, a it's not a cartoon it, or if it is it's 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 a very basic cartoon you know where it's just a still figure that will move across the screen. Um, so yeah, they they do exist. Yeah, and I think I think they recently did a um, a full cast audio drama of of Sandman, um, which's been released in a few different chapters. Yeah, it's um, on Aud- um, Audible. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, part two's just come out recently, yeah. which is um, in my library. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, I was just thought of Garfield. What the cat? Yeah, because I th- wasn't it a comic? Yeah, yeah. And it was it's in, like a now become strip. a movie and TV show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely works. I think I've taken it um, upon myself to try and convince Peter here to actually get into um, OK Comics at some point and buy a title, buy a graphic novel okay. that will um, introduce him to the to, to what he's been missing out. We do get a lot of people coming through the door, and they they hang about outside and look in the window, um, and then they'll they'll come in and go, oh, "I've never read a, a comic. What what should I read?" And you know, I could just recommend something that I think is good, but usually I sort of get them into a conversation and just say, "What kind of novels do you read, or what what films do you do you watch?" And you know, and we try to sort of get a sense of what they're into and then start recommending something specifically for them rather than just say this is our top 10 this is what you know this is the best sellers you know because mm-hmm. often they're not what you might might want Brilliant. so so where are you this is your chance to say oh. where you are and how we get in contact with you oh well, it's, it's right in Leeds city center so it's, it's easy to get to where we're in the thornton's arcade just off brigade um and yeah, if you can't make it in there, we've got a website, and the range that we sell on there is is growing all the time. So we have listeners in Peru. Yeah. And how do they get in contact with you? They can email us uh, shop at okcomics.co.uk, or they can just check out the website. It's just okcomics.co.uk, and oh. we we're always there. Oh, I'd be down. It's a very nice coffee shop in Southampton. So okay, Tony tells me it's it's a really nice place. There's lots of independent businesses down there, Mm. and it's a good community down there. And we're just, you know, just all doing what we like. You don't sell Snoopy, do you? Yeah, we do. We we have we have some peanuts. Me off comics, Snoopy. (laughs) What was it about Snoopy that put you off? No, I don't know. Something just a little too sugared for me. I think Snoopy always seemed the world of Snoopy was. A little bit furry, furry dog. I think for me, I, I, I would definitely recommend Watch Watchmen. I think because because it appears at first glance to be just a normal superhero book, mm. but we know it's not, um, and you can tell straight away that it's not. 
it's it's a, a, a subversion of the entire medium. You see, that's why I would never recommend Watchmen as a first book to read. You've got to have read superhero comics for a little while to understand that subversion. Good point. Um, you know, you've got to be familiar with all the tropes and the you know the, the sort of basic so, things. Of- so if 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 a potential customer wasn't able to give you enough information what what would you think would be a good standard starting off title it, well it, it just depends on the, the person it really does um and we we you know there are people who say oh i don't really like anything um but there are things that are universally popular like walking dead is universally popular and um scott pilgrim uh yeah you know everybody who, who reads it seems to like it and there's a book come out this year that's just gone down really well with everybody who's read it. It's called Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith. Absolutely fantastic. It's like 300 pages. It's taken him 30 years to produce. Um, and it just goes, it's really dark. And it's just about a, a kid who tries to join the army and he's got no sort of history. So they, they know that they can do what they want with him. And they use him for like his medical testing. And then it just flashes back to his mother um and her growing up with like um sort of trying to bring up a kid on her own uh, because the dad was away in in the war and then it flashes back to dad's experience in the war and it creates this big family drama around this really dark story about this poor kid who's just been manipulated because you got I me mean, got titles like um what is it persopolis yeah um yeah, yeah. Which Uranian, is it? isn't it is it yeah. yes, Iranian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tony, any recommendations for our novice comic book reader? Um, I guess I'll mention another one that was kind of a, a, a groundbreaking one is the Art Spiegelman books. There's oh, been Mouse. a number of Art Spiegelman books. We haven't mentioned him at all, but yeah, Mouse, Mouse. but also the one about the, the, the Twin Towers and the Shadows of No Towers about September 11th, too. But just in general, yeah, I think his way of just fiercely sort of tackling all the, the most difficult subjects. I mean, just again, proving that mm. that comics or graphic novels can deal with literally any, any topic, you know, including September 11th and the Holocaust, so. Mm. Well, you should plug The Hunting Accident again, which just sold 40,000 in copies in, in France. France. Yeah, yeah, so this is again the one, The Hunting Accident, so the story of very, I'll give a really quick plot summary. So based on a true story of a guy named Matt Rizzo, who back in the 1930s got involved in a little bit of teenage crime and got put in a jail cell with a famous criminal named Nathan Leopold of Leopold and Loeb, which if you've seen the Hitchcock movie, Rope. And he was blinded by a shotgun and this Nathan Leopold taught him to read using books in Braille and they read Homer and Dante and Shakespeare and Walt Whitman. And it's this strange story about being blinded. So that's a graphic novel about losing your sight, which but is finding also... finding your sight in a different finding way. Finding your sight, yeah. yeah so there's some yeah. experimental, lots of experimental pages about being blind <laughs> as represented in a graphic novel, including pages like this one. Mm. You know that, Johan. Mm. So, yeah, and it just came out in French, too, yeah. yeah. So what about you, Johan? What, what, what title would you suggest Peter starting out with? Um, uh, for younger kids, it would probably be Amulet. But what about but, for Peter? For, Peter, older, I don't know. for older kids. <laughs> Slightly older. <laughs> no, no. Have a think about, have a think well, about it and tell yeah. me in Glasgow. Which reminds me, actually, uh, with you know, COP twenty six is going on in Glasgow now. Are there any um, environmental graphic novels? There's one. There's one come out this week, actually. Really? I, oh, I'm going to forget the title now, but it's something like the most important comic book ever, right. um, and it, every, it's it must be like three hundred pages. And each page or two is by a different writer and artist, and different aspects of 
um, what's wrong and how we can fix it. And some of it's a little bit depressing. Some of it's really inspirational. Um, but they, yeah, they've got they've got loads of like. It's a cool uh, I can't remember, but it's yeah, yeah it's, it's like the yeah, most yeah. important. I'll, I'll stop in the shop yeah, between yeah, now yeah. and Friday, so we can we can read it on the train yeah. up to Glasgow. We've got we've got a real pile of them next to the the, the, the counter, and yeah, there's not just comic creators in there. There's writers and directors and actors and you know loads of people involved in it. It's well, it's nice. unfortunately, gentlemen, we've run out of time. Um, I, I think we should be back and. To talk about this medium a lot more in future. I agree. Um, yeah. And there are graphic artists in Leeds who um, I'm sure we can tap, and uh, it's quite a tradition of it. But this has been, you know, your suggestion, Nigel, and it's fantastic that you've got it together. But yeah, we, let's let's get it again. You know, maybe in a few months to uh, come back to it and get a different panel. It'd be lovely. So you've been listening to Love the Words here at Chapel FM in Seacroft, and. Anything quickly in the last few seconds about what's coming up, people? What's coming up at Chapel FM? Yes, well, stay tuned. As we said, the Red Kite Show, which is the youth radio show podcast that Johan and others here are part of, yes, yeah, going to Glasgow for the COP26 Climate Summit on Friday, and we'll come back a week from Friday on the 12th of November, and we'll have a show with lots of frontline stories and audio gathered from... Glasgow, so stay tuned for that. That'll be next Friday the 12th at 5 o'clock. Right, well, thank you, Jared, Peter, Johan, Tony, and from myself, this is Chapel FM's Love the Words signing out.
love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Come on.